0: Good morning, City Hill. Great to see everybody. Everybody enjoying these summer days? Yes, it's going to be summer all year long this year. Winter's just going to hold off. Um, You know, may I say that as we enjoy our summer days together, um, do it together. We are the body of Christ. And if you're going biking, invite somebody to go biking with you. If you're going out camping, grab some people, go out camping. You know... Part of being the family of Christ is that we learn to do life together. And if you're sitting out there going, well, nobody invited me, well, then plan something and invite somebody else. Let's be those people that are saying, let's enjoy this beautiful state, this beautiful weather, but let's do it as a body of Christ. And some people say, well, that's not really very important. I would disagree with you. Because the friendships you form when you're out golfing, when you're out camping, when you're out enjoying life together are also the friendships that are there for you when life is difficult. You don't form those randomly in the times of need. You form those in good times, but they're also there for you in the tough times. And the body of Christ, I know in this world, doing it alone just doesn't work. You're vulnerable if you're alone. And God wants us to be His body right here in this part of the city. So let's love one another, amen? Let's do life together. Let's begin with a word of prayer. I just ask you to open your hands before the Lord as we begin today. Father, we open our hearts to what you have for us today. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for that you've not left us without help. And Lord of hosts, Lord of the heavenly armies, I pray that God you would teach us, train us, how to fight the battles of our life and how to win these battles, God. Be with us this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This summer we're going through a summer series of what makes a disciple. My heart as I preach as a pastor is that we'd see life transformation. If you go to church week after week, which is a good thing, but if your life is not changed, then something's missing. There's always a journey we're on. Who's on a journey? We're on a journey. You've never arrived. You never get there. You know, Mel was a good friend of mine, praise but he's always growing in the Lord. The one thing I liked about him, he's growing in the Lord. You know, maybe 94 years old, but He's growing in the Lord, and I like that, that we are always pressing on until our final day. And one thing that a disciple needs to know is how to fight. Uh, my vision as I was praying for this, I, this is the second part, but a couple weeks ago when I started this message, what the Lord showed me was we're standing with all these weapons around us. Now, this is not a sermon on gun control, okay? We're not talking about those weapons, but far more important, we had all these Weapons around us, and we're kind of sitting there looking at them, maybe studying them a little bit. But I really felt the Lord speak to us and say, pick them up. Put these into use. It's not good enough to understand them. We must put them into use in our lives. I could see swords and knives and guns and maybe a bazooka in there, you know, and some rocket launcher, something really good and beefy. But we got to learn how to pick them up and use the tools or the weapons that God has given us to fight our battles. Because I see so much every day that we are at war. There is a war fighting for our souls, fighting for our mental health, fighting for our bodies, fighting for our marriages. There's a war that wants to take you down. You know, we, we hear... God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Very true. But you also got to remember the other side, that Satan hates you and has a plan for your destruction. So we need a good offense, but we need a good defense. And the question is, how do we fight this war that we find ourselves in? The Bible says to so us very clearly, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And When I read that, I think, my first thought is, really? Really? I mean, my fight, if I'm fighting, it looks like my fight is against somebody. Somebody in my family, somebody in the street. My fight seems to be against people, but the Bible tells us clearly there's more to it than that. That we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so if we're going to be fighting against things that are on a different level than just other people, we have to learn how to fight. And two weeks ago, I spoke on just some different things, like... Here's one word, tools. Flee. Sometimes the best way to fight is to turn and run. Don't be one of those people that tries to get as close as you can to sin and say, I can do it. You know what? Sooner or later, you're going to fall off. I was out in Colorado years ago and had a drop off that was like, I don't know, it seemed like miles. It was probably a quarter mile, but it was one of those cliffs that just went straight down. And at 20 feet back, I didn't even want to get too close. You know, I ended up crawling, laying on my belly, because I had some sense that some force was just going to throw me off that cliff. And I ended up, you kind of look over, and you're just shaking. You're like, I'm laying on the ground. But I realized that walking up to the edge and going, wow, that's a long way down. would be a really dumb thing to do. And yet we do that in life. We walk right up to the edge. We want to see how close we can get, how close we can get to the fire, And sometimes the best defense is to run away. Another thing, pray. We underestimate the power of prayer. So many times we're working through life and we're trying to figure these things out on our own. But God says, look to me. Bring God into your business. Bring God into your health situation. Bring God into the challenges that you're facing. And then there's resist. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, I like that, right? You got the devil running away from you. Where's William? William, climb up here. So, for this brief moment in time, William is the devil. <laughs> and so, I'm going to resist. You, you go ahead and push me a bit. This is the devil and I'm resisting, right? This is not the resisting the Lord wants us for. The kind of resisting we have is this kind of resisting. Thank you, William. It's a... There, okay, you can get up and go back to your seat. Thank you. I knew I chose the right guy for this illustration. There's a resistance that is an aggressive moving. You may have a shield, but you are moving against the enemy when you resist the devil. Worship. That song we sang today, My Weapon, is a Melody. You know, one of the greatest weapons we have when we're walking through tough times is to worship. It does not go naturally with our spirit. When you're walking through the valley, you don't go, oh, I want, let me sing a happy song. But there are times in the valley where we have to say, life is really hard and I am going to lift up the name of Jesus. I'm going to worship the Lord right in the middle of my challenge. And let me tell you, there's a power in using that weapon. The power of forgiveness. I'm just kind of giving you a whole, there's many weapons. One of the power of the battle of forgiveness is if you have not forgiven somebody, you leave a window open to the enemy and the enemy's looking for ways to come in and take you down. Whenever you hear someone, or even worse, to hear yourself say, You know, I just can't forgive that. You should have red flags going off all over. Because what you're saying is, this is tough for me, so I'm going to leave a window open for the enemy to take me down. I don't think any of us want, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, well, yes, you are. Because forgiveness opens an opportunity for the enemy. So that kind of brings us up to today. And I have two more weapons, and there are more than these two. Your favorite may not have been mentioned yet. But there are two more weapons I want to give to you or at least talk about today. And my challenge for us once again is that we would pick these up. As I was praying and preparing for today, the other image I felt the Lord give me was there are people who feel in prison today. They feel trapped. They feel like there's no way out. And I felt like Jesus showed up and saw you and and threw some keys to you. They scuttle across the floor. So now you're in the jail, and there's the key. But you're still in jail. There's a key, but you've got to pick up the key, go over to the door, take the risk of leaving what might be out there. And some of us go, I'd rather stay in my cell. Or I don't want to take that action. The Lord's saying, use the tools, use the weapons that I've given you to fight and to win this war. So one of the weapons today is praying in the Spirit. And as you open yourself to the Holy Spirit's work in your life, as you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you open yourself for him to work his gifts and his power in your life, one of the tools is the gift of tongues. Now, I know that as I mentioned tongues, some of you, this may be a new topic for you. And sometimes you go, well, I've heard that there's been abuse course there's been abuse anything that God has gets abused right anything good the word of God can be abused prayer can be abused anything can be abused but folks don't throw out the wonderful power that there is in praying in the spirit because somebody's used it wrong I like what Jim McCracken says he says the answer to abuse is not no use but proper use and so how do we properly powerfully use this gift that God's given to us. Mike Bickle of the International House of Prayer, he says, there's a difference between the gift of tongues given to a few for the benefit of the corporate body when the speaker speaks to men, and the gift of tongues given to all as a devotional prayer language for the benefit of the individual who speaks privately to God. So Jesus talked about this. He says that these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons and they will speak in new tongues. Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Look, I figure if Jesus is advocating it and Paul says I do it more than all of you, it's something that's of value for your life. And so what's the value of the gift of tongues? And this is not a full teaching on that. I do have actually a teaching on that that you can find online if you want to study this more. But Romans 8.26 says... In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Anybody ever felt weak? Anybody goes, I need some help here? Well, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. Boy, how many times have I found that where I go to prayer and I just, I don't know how to pray for this situation. I don't know what, I just don't know. While well, the Spirit helps us, because it says this, We don't know what we ought to pray for the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. So when you pray in the spirit, the spirit's actually praying through you. Praying to God for you. I mean, I I like that. I like the fact that the spirit is interceding for me. And he knows how to pray for me according to the will of God. That's powerful, folks. And we need to take advantage of this gift. It's a weapon we need to use. And, you know, someone asked me, well, how do I really know these words that I'm speaking are the prayer language that God's given me? Most of us might ask that question. I just want to set you free in that. You know, when you pray in tongues, it is an act of faith. Because you in your mind don't understand it. And when you pray it out, you're acting by faith. And God loves it when you walk by faith. He loves watching his kids trust him, step out, and walk by faith. So you can be free. I mean, God gives us prayer languages. and How many stories do we have of somebody who's praying out in tongues and some visitor from Africa is there going, I know that language. Those stories are multitude. It's never happened to me. But the gift of tongues is a gift that God freely bestows upon us. And it, but it takes a step of faith to step out and pray in your prayer language. And Dan Crowell, come on up. Dan and I were in a conversation about that this week. And I said, Dan, you can share it best. Come on up and share this with us, what, how God has spoken to you on
1: this, using this gift. Amen. Amen. Um... Tongues. I was calculating this morning, I think I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1976. That's 46 years of speaking in tongues. It's been great. Um, And as Kent said, it's for everybody. It is not something that you can't have. You can have it. But in warfare, um, this is uh, a series on warfare. It's imperative almost. To me Um, to pray in tongues keeps your mind open to hear the holy spirit because you don't have to use your mind but you can listen with your mind as you pray in tongues Um, it's an unknown language to me but it's also an unknown language to the enemy he doesn't know what you're praying and that is a secret weapon that we have um I think when I'm praying with two or more people, um, there's always a background in tongues because it almost doesn't matter what the circumstance is, but um, I don't know how to pray. Kent said that already, but I don't know what it is if we're praying, but especially in warfare situations, and a lot of situations are warfare, whether it's apparent or not, and praying in tongues is a... An amazing way to do battle um, Christianity is full of paradoxes one of them is understanding and not understanding tongues goes on the side of not understanding but as Kent said they're a step of faith and for me they're my prayer default it's what I go to first and um, and just as Kent said, it's an act of faith. I want everybody in this room, everybody in this church to be speaking in tongues, and I speak faith to each one of you. And, Amen. Um, you know, uh, tongues are my prayer default, but tongues are my friend. They really are my friend because they're such a default that it just happens. It just happens. It's, it's, it's like second nature to me. And um, so with that, all I would say is pastors, elders, myself, whoever, if you're not speaking in tongues, get some prayer, get some counsel and do it. It's amazing. Amen. Thanks.
0: It is a weapon in the spirit that's a powerful tool for us. The second thing, that, the second tool I'd like to talk about today, or weapon, would be the weapon of the Word of God. And I think I'd say I've left the best for last. Now, we don't want to rate the gifts and the tools because the reality is there's different times for each weapon to be used. A good soldier knows when to use a gun, when to use a knife, when to use a bazooka, right? But here's our, here's our powerful tool. And the reason that I would say that it would have Probably the most powerful tool because it's what Jesus used. And whenever you're asking a question about life, go back to Jesus. Go back and say, What did Jesus say? What did Jesus do? What did Jesus teach? And I want to just turn to that scripture in Matthew 4 where Jesus was tempted and responded using the Word of God. Matthew 4, verse 1 Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. By the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Say he was hungry. hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil took him to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He'll command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Satan waits for vulnerable times to attack. He doesn't play fair. He looks for the time when you are weak, lonely, frustrated, vulnerable, and that's when the enemy attacks. He's the master of deception, the master of lies, and he waits in the dark to take you down. There is a war and a plan for your destruction. Think of Jesus. Satan came to him when he was hungry and said, you can turn those rocks into bread. Jesus didn't say he couldn't do it. Jesus was hungry. And that's when the enemy hits us. Sometimes we're hungry for love, hungry for affirmation, hungry for finances, hungry to satisfy our flesh. And those are times when the enemy is waiting to attack you. I have a friend who is a retired Marines, Special Forces, he had some great stories, He's been all over the world in his military exploits, and he said, he waits when there was time for recon, he said, we would wait until the worst weather, when it was storming and pouring rain and cold and muddy, he says, recon time, I'm like, why, he goes, because that's when the enemy is vulnerable. What happens when it's stormy and rainy? He goes, when it's storming, they can't hear us walking. It's dark, they can't see us. It's cold and rainy. All the guards are going to go back by the fire. They're going to huddle around the fire. That's my time. I wait for those moments. Recon time. I thought, wow, isn't that just like the enemy in our lives? He waits for those times when where our guard is down, when we're not you know, Satan doesn't attack you normally, normally, on a Sunday morning. You know, they say most pastors who fall into sin, fall into sin on a Monday. I thought, on a Monday? What kind of a stat- statistic is that? Well, the, the idea to me is, you know, you're gearing up for a sermon, you're praying, you're ready. You're pretty strong. But once the sermon on Sunday is over, there's a vulnerability. And that's when Satan is looking to attack each and every one of us. So we have to prepare in advance for those times of vulnerability. If you are struggling with alcohol, what's the first thing that AA does? They get you a sponsor. They get you somebody. So in that 2 a.m. moment where you're about to fall off the wagon, you're about to go a direction that you don't want to go, but you're weak, you have somebody to call that says... Tough time for him. You can call them anytime, anytime. And they'll they'll come, they'll respond. And if that's true for those struggling with alcohol, that'll be true for us in the body of Christ. Where we have brothers and sisters who will stand with us. And we have to prepare for that in our time of strength. And how did Jesus prepare for his time of weakness when he was hungry? It is written. He had the word of God inside of him and notice that he didn't just know it he spoke it there is power in verbally reading verbally declaring the truth of the word of god we've got to learn to speak it out shout it out sing it out that's one of the things you know i'm not advocating we go back to the old gospel choruses that's not what i'm advocating but may i say that the beauty of those old gospel choruses is they put the word of god in singable form in our hearts. And th- that comes back to us in moments of of whatever this challenges we face. I remember being in a going back to a car from a church meeting and it was dark and I parked somewhere far away and I thought what did I park over here and I was, somebody was walking behind me down a black alley in Minneapolis and I'm going The Lord is my light and my salvation. You know, that chorus came back and I'm singing choruses that I will not fear. It's good to proclaim the word of God. Proverbs says, your words have the power of life and death. Our words spoken out have power. Now, I know there is abuse of that. It's not name it, claim it. It's not just, I I claim a new Ferrari. Well, praise the Lord. That's nice. But I don't think that's what the Bible's talking about. It's not just claiming, wishing things. It's speaking the word of God over the lies and the challenges that you are facing in your life today. Three times Jesus was tempted. Three times, how did he respond? It is written. He didn't just go, no, I'm not going to do that. It wasn't just that. He didn't just say, you know... Satan, you're wrong. He didn't argue with the devil. He battled using the word of God. And I found as I was preparing this sermon, if you ever want to know how to battle on a particular topic, just Google it. How do I fight fear? Google. I mean, it's amazing. It's all there. Bible verses, they are wonderful to use in your time of battle. The psalmist says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. So he took the word of God and he hid it in his heart. I love our Bible quiz team. I mean, they're, they're fighting, they're competing, they're having fun as youth. But those scriptures that they're memorizing today will come back to them 20 years from now. They will be in a situation and those scriptures will bounce into their heart. People talk about scriptures, I didn't even know I knew, and the Lord brought them back to me in my time of need. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. And may I say this is not Christian magic, okay? This is not saying the special words that will ward off the evil spirits. That's not what this is. This is a matter of speaking truth against the lies and the attacks of the enemy and standing not on your own authority, but on the authority of the word of God. So here's some scriptures to war with. Are you ready? Ready? What do you do if you're depressed? I think depression is in epidemic forms in America. And many of us in church, many of us who love Jesus, still wrestle with depression. And There's all sorts of reasons for depression. So once again, I'm not going to be teaching on each of these. But what do you do? What are some good verses to stand on? I appreciate those that responded to an email I sent out a couple weeks ago and gave me some verses that have meant a lot to them in these different challenges. So you're walking through where life seems dark and that depression is suffocating. John 10.10, Jesus has come so that I might have abundant life. And you can fight and pray and read these scriptures and declare them and say, Jesus has promised me abundant life and I stand upon the word of God. Luke 4.18, you say, Satan, Jesus has come to set the captives free. I feel like a captive, but Jesus is more powerful than you. And he's come to set the captives free. I like the scripture, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So when you're battling with those thoughts, maybe thoughts of suicide or thoughts of, that are attacking, you can say, no, because I have given my life to Christ And the scripture. The word of God says, it is written. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Colossians 1.13 tells me I have been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness. These are not magic. These are powerful standing on the word of God. When we stand on them, it doesn't just mean we state them and everything changes automatically like that. Many times these are verses that we live we eat we declare them we go over and over standing declaring the truth in our time of need how about when you're condemned you feel condemned and guilty you've sinned you've known better you've acted wrongly romans 8 how many of us know this one there is therefore no condemnation but i'm condemned but my word, the Word of God, which stands true above my feelings, says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set me free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And you can say, Satan, right now you're attacking me. Say I'm guilty, and I am guilty. But I have given my heart to Jesus, and I have repented of my sins, and there is no condemnation. You know, I love reading the Bible from my computer, my phone, all of that I love but I don't know. There's something good about having a bible in my hand. It's kind of easy. I don't want to beat the enemy with my laptop, you know? I want to I want to <laughs> beat him with my bible. So you know, you should everybody should at least own a bible and open up and say, you know, there's no condemnation and I am in Christ Jesus, so what you're telling me is a lie. And I stand in glory in what Jesus Christ has done for me. I love 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All means? All. So when you confess your sins, you know, it's really not fair. That when we sin and confess, Jesus. I mean, it's not fair in our favor. It's like, It doesn't seem right, but Jesus' blood is greater than that. When we sin, we can say, you know, I feel condemned, I feel guilty. And if you're convicted for your sins, praise the Lord. That means your spirit's alive and it says you've done wrong. But there's an answer. It's called repentance. Repent. Go to Jesus. Stand on the word and say, I've confessed my sins and Jesus is faithful and just to forgive me. And cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And Satan, I stand forgiven under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think he screams and flees like William did. He fought because he, can't, he has no defense. He can defend himself against you, but he can't defend himself against the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. How about loneliness? Loneliness is a powerful force. And more and more in our society, we are more and more isolated. We're more connected than ever and yet lonelier than ever. And what do we do with that? Well, Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So you're never alone if you're in Christ Jesus. You may feel alone, but that would be an inaccurate assumption. Because when we are in Christ, Christ is in us, and we are never alone because he has promised to never leave us or forsake us. You say, but I don't see him. That may be true. But the Lord remains with us, and we can quote these scriptures. We quote the truth. Romans 8, For I am sure that neither death nor life, Nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else. I mean, he's really going all out here, right? I mean, height, or depth, or seas, or time. I mean, he goes, anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he's convinced no matter what happens, death. Death is pretty serious, pretty powerful, but it won't separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So are powerful scriptures. How about when you're morally tempted and the temptation is powerful? First Corinthians six says, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells within me. I am not of my own. I have been bought with a price, with the price of Christ's blood. I will glorify Christ in my body It's important to have scriptures that you can fight with and you're prepared with and you hide them in your heart so that when that battle comes you have a weapon you can pick up and say it is written. One more. How about when you're afraid? When fear and anxiety more and more people are struggling with panic attacks Very real, where your body responds in great anxiety. It's another expression of fear. How do we fight that? How do we fight that? And I I got one of the emails I got was from Linda Hanner. Linda, come on up. Linda and her husband Kim run a Christian coffee house down in Jordan. Lovely family that God has brought into our family in the last couple years. Welcome. And I've asked Linda to share just something that God did in her life and really set her free using the scriptures to set her free from fear. So, Linda. Thank
2: you. Yeah, it's always a privilege for me to share things that God has done in my life. And I'm just going to share a little snippet here. And it's really a privilege to be here in this church. We attended here many years ago and came back more recently. Um, And such a warm welcome back, so that's been good. And fear actually was a a dominant emotion in my life throughout my childhood and most of my early adult life. um, There's a word for fear of everything. I just found it on Google this morning. It's called panophobia. So I had this panophobia, and probably (laughs) at the top of that list was fear of man. And I used to ponder sometimes what I would do if I was given the choice between speaking in front of a group or jumping off a bridge. And I was pretty sure that I would choose the bridge, even though my fear of heights was also way at the top of my <laughs> fear list. Um, I was about 30 before I was born again and was given the gift of faith. Um, and it was about five years into my walk with the Lord that I came down with this illness that. Uh, really baffled the doctors. It took them about six and a half years to diagnose me with Lyme disease. And in the midst of the illness, they, they were trying all sorts of medications just to try to alleviate my symptoms. And one of the medications they put me on was prednisone. One of the possible side effects of prednisone is um, severe depression and even psychosis. And I was one who was affected with that. I was plunged into the psychosis and I spent a, a few days in the lockup ward and a month in the psychiatric ward. Uh, I was released, and for seven months after I was released from the hospital, the only emotion that I could feel was fear. And I believed that my eventually that my final destination would be a permanent mental institution. I honestly could not believe that I was ever going to get out of this situation uh, it was horrible but uh, I had learned the verse that said if you have faith as big as a mount as big as a mustard seed you'd be able to move mountains and even though I was convinced that this mountain was was too big it I, I clung to this little flicker of faith I had left. I believed mine was smaller than a mustard seed, but I but I clung to that faith. And I also started to recite the verse from 1 Timothy one seven that says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. And I recited that verse over and over and over in my nice mind to crowd out this fear. And it was almost nonstop. I would just keep reciting that verse, keep reciting this verse. Uh, and then I happened to pawn a book written by a Christian pastor who also went through a very significant depression. And I, I, I read the book. I could relate to a lot of what this man, his name was Don Baker, was was going through because he didn't believe he was ever going to get well. He had been a vibrant pastor and he had gone you know, into this deep depression. And as I was reading his book, uh, there was a before the final chapter on the page, before that, there, there was a verse that jumped out of me, out at me. It was um, from Psalm 40, verse 2, and it said, uh, "He lifted me out of the pit, out of the pit of despair, and set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm." And as I was reading that verse, I literally was feeling myself lifted out of that depression as dramatically as I'd plunged into it earlier, and I was feeling this joy bubbling up inside me. It was just, it was just amazing. And after that, I, I was able to feel the full gamut of human emotions again. And it even felt really good to feel frustrated at my kids for leaving their <laughs> shoes strewn all over the floor, everything. It just felt good to be so human again. And I'm just going to close with reading that verse in context in Psalm 40, starting at verse 1 through 5. I just read it this morning. I thought it was kind of cool uh, to read that a little more context. It said, I wait patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. many will see what he has done and be amazed they will put their trust in the Lord and I think it is going through some of these really hard things that God will use there's been so many people I read, wrote a book about my experience and there's been so many people that said that has helped them through really challenging situations whether it's divorce or depression or anything so praise God for allowing me to go through that <laughs> Amen
0: Excellent And there it is, the power of the word of God to rescue, the power of the word of God to give us victory. She had been struggling for seven months and God through the power of his word brought freedom and restoration. That is one of the most beautiful things. Thanks for uh, opening your heart. And that's my heart and prayer worship team, come on up. It's my heart and prayer for us that we would win the war. I so desperately want you to win the war. You don't get to choose whether you get the war or not. In this world, you'll have tribulations. We all get the war, but we don't all win. So my heart and my prayer is that you would be among those who would pick up the weapons that God has given you that you'd pick up those keys to the cell and that you would fight using the tools, using the weapons that God has given us. Because the disciple knows how to fight and by God's grace and with the power that he's given us, we can win the war in Jesus' name, amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you did not leave us with a good luck. But you left us with your word, which is powerful, quick and powerful, stronger, more deadly, more powerful than any two-edged sword. And God, I pray that you would open our eyes to the weapons that you've given us, the weapons of our warfare, and that, God, we would win, because our fight is not against flesh and blood. Father, may you open our eyes to the reality of the war that we're in and teach us how to battle using the gifts of the Spirit, using the tools and the weapons you've given us. Father, we claim that abundant life. You say that you've come to give us abundant life. And God, I pray that even that hope would rise in our hearts so that, that abundant life is available to each and every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being here today, folks. Uh, We have a picnic, which is great. Enjoy it. Come on out if you don't have any food. Come on out.